Former Mountie charged with spying for China. Canada denied 36% of visa applications for the last year World AIDS Conference held in Montreal. Spain's election gives the right-wing People's Party the most votes, but they struggle to form government. And wildfires in Greece have triggered that country's largest evacuation operation ever. Good morning. It's Monday, July 24th. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. First, we start with the story of William Matcher, a retired member of the RCMP who was arrested last week for quote-unquote foreign interference-related offenses. The crimes he's charged with happened after he left the RCMP. Matcher lives in Hong Kong and is accused of helping the Chinese government identify and intimidate someone outside of the scope of Canadian law, reports Rachel Aiello from CTV News. Matcher is being accused of spying for China. I wonder what kinds of intimidation are permitted by Canadian law. Maybe employers' rights, I guess. (laughs) Here's what the RCMP said in a statement that they issued on Friday. Quote, Mr. Matcher allegedly used his knowledge and his extensive network of contacts in Canada to obtain intelligence or services to benefit the People's Republic of China. Unquote. Aiello calls Matcher's life, quote-unquote, colorful, and indeed, many people were posting on Twitter about some of his exploits on Friday. He's currently the president and, quote, global head of recovery operations, unquote, for Evaluate, Monitor, Investigate, Deter, Recover, Limited in Hong Kong. They are a cybersecurity firm, and they investigate the origins of cyber attacks to allow China to prosecute people. He worked for the RCMP for more than two decades. He worked in covert drug operations and financial crime. David Baudouin from the RCMP wouldn't talk about the alleged victim in the case, but did say that Matcher isn't connected to any investigation related to elections. Next, to a report from the Canadian press's Dylan Robertson. Robertson has found that in the lead-up to an international AIDS conference held in July 2022 in Montreal, 36% of applications for Canadian visas to attend the conference were rejected. The total number of rejected visas was 1,020. 10% of the applications were not processed before the event happened, and therefore the individuals couldn't attend. Canada did grant 1,638 visas, and at least 251 people claimed asylum when they had entered Canada for the conference. Robertson talked with Robert Blanchet, an immigration lawyer, who said this, quote, good for them. If that is their only way of claiming asylum in a country, then so be it, unquote. Blanchet notes that going to a conference is a relatively safe way to find yourself applying for asylum in Canada, especially considering how difficult the process can be. Canada is notoriously bad at giving people visas, and every time there's a large international conference here, there are stories about how Canadian officials deny visas or take too long to process them. You will remember this from an earlier episode of the Daily News podcast. Back in March, the Toronto Star reported that a group of professors were calling on conferences to stop choosing Canada as a conference location because Canada was so bad at processing visas. In one case, for IEEE's International Symposium on High-Performance Computer Architecture, 20 of the 80 presenters were not able to get visas. Sessions, therefore, had to be cancelled. Back to the AIDS conference. 
83.5% of the conference attendees from Nepal were rejected. 55.8% of Nigerians were rejected. 53.6% of Pakistanis were rejected. And more than 40% of applicants from Cameroon, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Ethiopia, and Ghana were rejected. While the conference organizers had identified 4,200 people who were quote-unquote priority VIPs, Robertson reports, quote, eventually the immigration department, quote, got the number down to 150 priority attendees, unquote. Robertson doesn't explain how this happened, whether the organizers finally agreed or Canada simply refused to give any more VIP visas. Canada's immigration department said that the organizers should have offered, quote, more complete list of guests, unquote, to have had more visas approved two months before the event. Two months before an international conference, eh? Hmm, Something that is very funny to imagine being possible while working with researchers or activists. The immigration department also suggested, and this is just peak Canada liberalism, my God, that, quote, they could also provide marginalization factors for immigration officers to consider, such as race, gender identity, or physical ability, unquote, as if race would somehow transform from a key deciding factor to refuse visas already to something that is beneficial to someone to getting a visa. Huh. Now, in case you hear this news and somehow think that the assignment claimants were, I don't know, using the conference inappropriately or something, consider this. Of the 251 people who claimed asylum when they came to Canada for the conference, 123 people were from Uganda. Robertson notes that that country has extremely repressive criminal laws against homosexuality. 58 claims came from Kenyans and 26 claims came from Nigerians. Both Kenya and Nigeria have been increasingly criminalizing homosexual acts over the last few years. Together, these account for 83% of all claims. For the COP15 United Nations Biodiversity Conference that was held last year as well, 18% of visa applications were not processed in time for the conference. Just 77% of the claims that were processed for visas were approved. Robertson notes that there was no mention of assignment claimants related to that conference. This is all evidence of how little Canada is committed to helping global refugees. The slow and unfair visa system causes so many headaches for international conference organizers. I'll just mention that news has broken this weekend that six of 17 boys who played at a peewee hockey tournament in Quebec City earlier this year have been cleared to move to Canada. One boy is moving with his whole family and five will be moving alone. They're starting grade eight, interestingly, at the English high school, which normally only English speakers from Canada would be allowed to go to. Yes, my Irish and American friends have no rights to send their kids to English school here. But hey, it's Canada. That's how it works. The headline for the story about the hockey players doesn't say that 35% of one hockey team will seek to stay in Canada after having played here. The way that the headline about the World AIDS Conference reads, quote, about 15% of guests at Canadian AIDS Conference claimed asylum, unquote. Next to Spain, where their election is over, but it isn't clear who will govern the country. The right-wing People's Party got the most number of seats, but they are not likely to be able to secure a coalition that they need to be able to govern. Polls had predicted that the Conservatives would win easily over the Spanish Socialist Workers' Party, but the Socialists performed far better than the polls said they would. The People's Party has 136 seats and the Socialists have 122. The potential partner for a coalition for the right-wing party is the far-right party called Vox, who won 33 seats. 
That is down from 52 seats that they had won in the last election. The Sumar Alliance, a party that The Guardian calls far left, won 31 seats. The parties need to reach 176 seats to govern. The right had secured 169 with their coalition attempts, and the left got 153. The socialists won more seats and more votes than they did in the last election. The leader of that party, outgoing Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez, said, quote, The retrograde reactionary bloc that sought to undo the advances of the past four years has failed, unquote. The leader of the People's Party, Alberto Núñez Feijó, will be approached by Spain's king to try and form government next. If he can't, then it's likely that the king will go to Sanchez. Both parties are now engaging in negotiations to see if they can hit that magic number of seats. The emergence of a coalition with a far-right party, Vox, has worried many people to see a far-right party potentially in government for the first time in five decades since the fascist Franco was in power. And finally, the islands of Rhodes and Corfu in Greece are being hit hard by forest fires. 19,000 people are fleeing Rhodes in what is Greece's largest evacuation effort ever. Fires there have been blazing for six days, and the region is experiencing its second heat wave in just over two weeks. It's expected to reach 45 degrees Celsius in some parts of the country. 3,000 people have been evacuated by Coast Guard and private boats, and many tourists have been moved to schools. Tourists who arrived in the thick of the fires were sent immediately to evacuation centers after landing. Those are your headlines for Monday, July 24th. I'm Nora. You're listening to this podcast at sandynora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed or syndicated on campus radio stations across this country. I hope you have a great Monday and enjoy this final week of July. I know, I know. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.